0: This is Hannah over in University Archives, and this is U of M Radio on your Historic Dial podcast, episode 12 of Poets and Podcasts. You've likely noticed the outro that accompanies the end of each podcast episode, which states that funding for this project comes from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund, administered by the Minnesota Historical Society. This grant enables numerous projects here at the University Archives and within the University of Minnesota libraries, archives, and special collections, as well as other Minnesota cultural institutions. While there is always regular staff to carry out day-to-day operations related to the collection, maintenance, and promotion of our materials, grant-funded projects allow us to focus on one collection or area in particular, singling it out for detailed processing and description, as well as unique promotional activities such as this podcast. The project featured in this episode focuses on Minnesota's literary heritage, embodied in the personal collections of poets Robert Bly, Bill Holm, and Margaret Hasse, as well as the papers of Milkweed Editions. Now I'm going to pass the mic to the project manager, Carissa Hansen.
1: Hi, this is Carissa from the Upper Midwest Literary Archives. Thanks to Hannah for inviting me to join her for this podcast. Margaret Hassey is one of three Minnesota Poets Collections I am working with as part of a grant project titled, Prairie Poets and Press, Literary Lives of the Upper Midwest. Margaret Hassey was born in Aberdeen, South Dakota in 1950 and has spent much of her adult life in Minneapolis. She's well known for being a poet but Hasse is also a teacher, arts administrator, and arts consultant. This installment of the KU of M program, Minnesota Issues, features Hasse in her role as executive director for the Minnesota Alliance for Arts and Education. The year was 1984, and plans were underway for the establishment of an arts high school in Minnesota. Governor Rudy Perpich had implemented a task force to conduct a feasibility study for the establishment of
2: the school. Welcome to Minnesota Issues. Minnesota appears to be moving towards establishment of a special high school to serve young people gifted in the arts. With a strong backing of Governor Perpich, the legislature earlier this year appropriated $148,000 for an assessment study and committed a portion of the new bingo tax to finance the undertaking. If the study is favorable and the IDEA wins legislative approval in the 1985 session, the school could begin operating in the fall of 1986. Meantime, the task force appointed by the governor is looking at the pros and cons of what is becoming a lively discussion. My guests today are Margaret Hassey, executive director of the Minnesota Alliance for Arts and Education, and David J. Speer, chairman of the Minnesota Arts Task Force, studying the idea of a special high school and also the development of a statewide arts curriculum.
1: Can you guess what school this would become? That's right, Minnesota was already laying the groundwork for the Perpich Center for Arts Education that operates today in Golden Valley. Not everyone was in favor of establishing a school that would centralize funding for arts education in the state. Margaret Hasse and the Minnesota Alliance for Arts and Education had concerns about the establishment of the school.
3: Well, our organization has reservations about the school, uh, in part because there are so many things to be done, we feel, in arts education before a state school for the arts. There are many um, needs in elementary schools for art teachers, music teachers. About two-thirds of our elementary schools do not have an art teacher on staff, and that's a lot of students who are not being exposed to visual art. About 10% don't have music teachers. And we're questioning whether an arts high school is the most important first thing to do to improve arts education across the state. Mr. Seidel's letter did summarize a lot of other important, interesting points that I Mm -hmm. hope we can discuss today, one of them being the question of isolating students in a specialized school rather than giving them broadened experiences in their Mm -hmm. own schools and allowing their talents to help and encourage the, the other students. There was a great
1: need for more arts education of all kinds in schools across the state of Minnesota. The establishment of an arts high school was certainly an exciting proposition and one that would represent a commitment to the arts and youth in the state. But the question of proper disbursement of funding remained. Should the state's resources be focused on one school or should they be spread out, encompassing more grade levels and areas of Minnesota? And would the school's mission overlap with the arts magnet schools in St. Paul and Minneapolis? The new school was to operate with an independent board and an independent school district. The task force estimated that operating the school would cost between five and ten million dollars per year, and funding would come from a statewide bingo tax. Speer and Hasse had very different ideas about how the money from a bingo tax should be used to fund arts education.
2: Uh, I think important for us to look at all of the other models around the country and when we looked at them we determined that they were not for Minnesota. We're going to come up with a model that we think is one that will be very attractive to other states around the country because it's the only school that will have as a dual purpose the task of training students in one central setting but also to do all this interaction and extension work, which uh, we look at, uh, the school, all, much the same as the University of Minnesota and its extension.
3: We would like some arts education initiatives totally separate from the school and sure. possibly funded by the bingo money. Sure. Um, one of those I mentioned before, which would be Um, depending on our membership response and what the legislators say about these different proposals one would be trying to set up a a funding um, for local school districts to apply for matching funds for uh, an art or music or other teachers of the arts for a couple of years um, meaning with a sundown clause on the funding so that they don't become dependent upon the state kitty to support that teacher and there is a precedent in in that vocational education teachers are funded in that way across the state of Minnesota. A second initiative that we are interested in having funded with the bingo money um, would be to support a program called comprehensive arts planning which uh, is a program currently in existence with a tiny legislative funding, the first arts and education Mm -hmm. bill that was passed by our legislature two years ago and thirty local school districts right now have set up local arts and education grassroots support groups and are looking at their curriculum and fostering change and really trying to um, get something going in, in those districts. And that program is in need of funding.
1: Fast forward to 1987, the Minnesota School and Resource Center for the Arts, Perpich's original name, had opened to students. In light of the new school, the Minnesota Alliance for Arts and Education had begun to question its role and direction. In a letter from Margaret Hassy's papers in the Upper Midwest Literary Archives, dated October 14, 1987, Hassy writes, The Alliance is at a marvelous point in a major challenge
0: of the last three years. We have two major decisions to make, each one somewhat separate, each one impinging on the other. I wrote the people heading two committees dealing with the two different decisions. One of the Alliance's two decisions is a political, philosophical one regarding arts education. Is the Alliance or is it not in favor of public commitment of funds for the Minnesota School and Resource Center for the Arts? If yes, why? If no, why not? If the organization as a whole is ambivalent, that must also be expressed so that we then stay at a point removed from political behavior with our lobbyists at the legislature, and in urging any particular behavior from our members.
1: Hasse outlined some of the Alliance's concerns about the Arts High School in the KUOM interview in 1984, but it is clear that by 1987, many of the concerns hadn't been resolved. The allocation of public funds was still a concern for the Alliance, and Hasse wanted them to articulate their stance more clearly. Their course of action in local politics depended on it. Hasse goes on to write, The other Alliance decision focuses on the Alliance as an organization
0: in the community. This decision is guided in process by the Long Range Planning Committee. Again, final authority lies with the full board. What is the function of the Alliance in Minnesota and what is the best structure for realizing some of its goals? Always a topic of important discussion for any organization of people, this topic is even more pressing for the Alliance right now because of a major change in the environment of arts education, the advent of the MSRCA, which from one vantage can be seen as more duplicative of Alliance's stated purposes than any other statewide entity, but one with more financial resources than the Alliance. More resources may be a thing to celebrate, i.e. institutionalizing in public some of the dreams of the Alliance. Nevertheless, the presence has been clearly acknowledged by the board as a whole, the long-range planning committee, and the staff as a dilemma for the Alliance. What is our role in the expanded community of players and resources for arts education? How can we play a more useful role in the All the Arts for All the Kids mission of all advocates for arts education?
1: In the same way some questioned whether the Arts High School would duplicate the work of the magnet schools in the Twin Cities, the Alliance itself realized that some may see their work as duplicative. At the end of her letter, Hasse brings the focus back to funding, writing, A final comment about autonomy of the Alliance.
0: Private funding does not automatically give an organization autonomy, any more than public funding makes a group beholden to speak the authorized line. Thank you to Carissa. If you are curious to know more about Prairie Poets and Press, please reach out to the Upper Midwest Literary Archives based in Anderson Library. You can follow the project's progress on the University of Minnesota Library's social media accounts, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This episode wraps up the first season of the U of M Radio on Your Historic Dial podcast. We at University Archives have really enjoyed sharing these programs that made KUOM such an integral part of Minnesota's history, and we hope to continue to do so in the future. Thanks for listening.
1: The U of M Radio on your Historic Dial podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment. Subscribe or download on iTunes or Google Play so you don't miss another moment of Historic Minnesota Radio. If you enjoy our clips and want to hear or learn more, go to www.lib.umn.edu slash uarchives and search KUOM and the Collections Guides. Digitization of University Archives recordings was financed in part with funds provided by the state of Minnesota from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund through the Minnesota Historical Society.